Love the nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from ELFM. So you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM at Chapel FM Arts Centre in Studio One, live uh, with Elliot on the desk here and with Simon Treen from Working Hours here to speak to us about that very wonderful podcast that it is. Hello, Simon. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to have, to have you here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so so Working Hours, I, I, I had the pleasure of speaking to you on Working Hours a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, tell us, first of all, exactly what it is and what the premise of Working Hours is, Simon. Okay, so it's uh, an exploration of work in the 2020s in Leeds. Well, I suppose not specifically Leeds, because I also will interview lawyers who are elsewhere in the world. Uh, but I want to look at work and I want to look at how it's been affected by things that happen in this century, like climate change, like the, the pandemic that we've just been through. And I want to look at that through the lens of work rather than what's your opinion on this topic or so and so. I want to see how it's actually impacted what we do on a day-to-day basis. But I also want to look at what people think of as work, because I think that's a broader conversation than a lot of people often have. Fascinating. Well, first of all, it'd be great to to hear where you've come from mm-hmm. to get to the to this place where you're making this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a bit about yourself and your own background, and you know, as a human being, but also obviously in a, in, a, in the work context mm-hmm. as well. So, part of the reason is because. I have done a lot of jobs. Um, obviously, I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily grew up in a time when jobs for life had gone, uh, but it's not really something that's been on my radar as staying in one place. So I've done a lot of roles, and I've done a lot of roles in a variety of levels. So I've done like frontline, kind of you know entry level jobs. I've been involved in things at kind of board level. I've been involved with public sector private sector voluntary sector so I've worked across like a huge range of like working possibilities I spent a lot of time as well at the trade union congress uh, working for union learn which was their education um, sort of strand and that got me onto lifelong learning where I did I did my degree late um, and did a degree there um while I was do while I was working there, I did that degree and a couple of other courses. That got me into lifelong learning, and then I was wondering what what I should do. I wanted to do film initially, but film you need a lot of people. Uh, podcasts you don't need a lot of people. So I was like, draw everything together. Let's look at jobs. I've done a lot of jobs. I think I'll have some interesting opinions on work experience, and let's see what other people think about it. So had you done any audio before? Are you, you know, what was that your world? I mean, you say you thought of theatre initially, but, uh, yeah, had you made radio before? No. Um, I, and I came to podcasts late as well. Um, and obviously the film stuff, it would always be video um, rather than shooting on actual film. And, um, yeah, like you said, I've done theatre stuff as well, but audio wasn't really somewhere that I'd, that I'd worked 
So I did a bit of research beforehand. Um, I mean, I'm not an audio engineer, but the plus side is with podcasts is it's quite a low fidelity medium. So, you know, like you, you try and get as best quality as you can, but it's going to get compressed down into quite a small file. So it doesn't need to be, you know, the, the best quality in the world. I mean, it's a, it seems to be a really interesting moment in terms of just talking to some students from the conservatoire I've just up here for the for, for the day. They've mm. been coming here on a regular basis with Verity uh, to um, yeah to, about radio really and about mm. about um, about the beauty of of audio mm. as a medium. I mean, they're actors, so mm. they probably and they, uh, a few of them with, didn't really hadn't really thought about radio and radio drama, for instance, radio theatre. Um, but there seems to be a huge explosion at the moment in the kind of podcast audio world and I you know I remember walking around during the pandemic seeing people you know in the park mm. you know and they, and they had the headphones on I thought well maybe they're listening to music they could easily be listening to you know to, to a podcast and I, think, mm. I suspect many of them were and a lot of young people too mm. so because radio sometimes associated with kind of older people you know mm. radio for somebody sitting there with their dog listening to the afternoon play but I don't know I, I just think it's different now it's quite mm. it's, it's really plain. so w w what's going on uh, I don't know um, <laughs> I mean maybe I mean it's just if you, if you thought you you come from film background, theatre background, and you thought, okay, I'm doing a podcast. Presumably, there are people all over doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get into. I mean, the 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 thing is, you know, there's sort of uh, a lot of people will say everyone's got a podcast, and you know, like who hasn't got one? And they're easy to kind of put together. Um, it gets hard, as with anything, you know, when you're trying to do it all the time. Mm. Um, which I think through the process of doing my own podcast is kind of. I'm thinking about work in new ways. So one of the things that I try to include with this podcast, like I say, I'm trying to look at various issues. Uh, a big one for me is climate change. So, I've, I, you know, I ask about that every episode. Um, I think... I've kind of lost my point here. Don't worry at all. No, it was I, I was kind of really talking at you. <laughs> but I, I mean, in, a, in a conjectural kind of way, yeah. it just seems like, yeah, or there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of podcasting about. But I really, what, what I find really interesting is that you have set yourself a very ambitious target. I mean, and you are absolutely pursuing that. I think a lot of people, it seems to be start, mm. and then they go, oh, she's quite hard work. Yeah, you know, and then and then, it, then they, they you know I'm going to make how many you know, and then they yeah. don't do it. But you have got you've made sixty programs. Tell us a bit about so far that is, um, yeah. Tell us a bit about the you know the kind of people you interview, the kind of range of people you've interviewed, mm -hmm. and uh, also what kind of questions you ask. I mean, I'm going to urge people who are listening to to go to the podcast and listen for themselves because I mm. think you know it is a real a really interesting range of people. But I'm going to let you speak now. <laughs> yeah. So um, I I want to look at so initially I ask what people wanted to be, mm. um, and the questions have kind of come over time. So initially with the first few I was it was l really just a chat. And then we'd be quite ranging, uh, wide ranging, and we'd sort of go all over the place and there'd be various lengths. But through that process, through doing about, I'd say, a dozen or so of those, it kind of settled down into these are the areas that kind of keep coming up for me and that I want to look at. So um, in terms of how things are affecting your work, I look at, as I say, climate change. I look at Brexit. I look at COVID, um, social media. 
I will ask people about what they're doing now, obviously, um, mm. and then go into some explanation of what that is. Normally, as soon as I feel that I understand their role and what they're doing, I kind of cut it off. Maybe for other people, they might need more information, but um, I don't have any other guide at the moment, mm. <laughs> so I just mm. have to go off my myself. Um, and then I'll ask about possible changes. So another thing that I like to ask about is universal basic income, which is an idea that has some popularity, but I think should be more widely known. Um, not necessarily. I mean, I would advocate for something like that myself, but I know a lot of other people wouldn't. But I think it should be something that's at least in the discussion because mm. the way that things have kind of geared up in the system at the moment um, we need as many new ideas as possible, really, I think. Mm. Well, I, f I, f I find your questions very searching when I, yeah, I should say that I have been one of your victims. <laughs> so I was about the 13th or 14th. Yeah. Uh, and I had a, I find it a very interesting uh, process. I mean, I do a lot of interviewing of people, as mm. I am you, Simon, now, and I really enjoy that. Mm. But it, I found it a very you know, fascinating for it's an hour and a half, really, mm. we spoke for. I was mm. astonished to hear uh, that it was that long. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we ranged over all kinds of stuff and all sorts of stuff that I wouldn't necessarily talk about mm. because you were asking for my views about things that I don't often consider because sometimes, I, th I don't know, you know, we, we do a lot of talking in our lives, but mm. quite often we don't actually really drive to into particular issues, partly because... We're afraid of upsetting people. We're not mm. a very, perhaps we're not a very discursive culture. Mm. I suspect in other cultures, we, you know, there's more politics in conversation. I don't think we do that in Britain, mm. really. But I know I found it a really interesting range and very searching mm. as, as, <clears throat> as a process. I mean, what, in terms of the range of people you've spoken to and their jobs, can mm. you give us a, a sense of that? Yeah, so it's... Uh, I have got quite a wide range, but obviously there is such a massive range of potential jobs. Um, I was surprised that I've had three authors in Leeds um, so far. Um, I was surprised to find the amount of theatre companies and art organisations in Leeds. I knew there was a lot, but I just had no idea how many. Uh, but it's not just... I do, because it's a podcast and because it's through social media and so on... Um, it's kind of it is the bubble thing. So you, you kind of hit a lot of people who are in the tech sector or who want to do something techy or, or are online or if they've got small independent businesses, which is great. And I hope later on I'll get more kind of, you know, people who work in shops. My initial idea was I wanted, you know, I wanted it to be very <coughs> working class and like, you know, this is the experience on the shop floor. But I think it's just as valid to go across everything. And I'm hoping those people will come. But yeah, I've had uh, academics. Uh, one of my favourite of the academics was a, a lady who talks about fluid dynamics, which was fascinating. I've got an episode coming up with someone who had a PhD in, who has a PhD in cement, which you'd kind of be like, why would I want to listen to someone talk about cement for two hours? But in the subject, you know, within the context of climate change and, and modern working, it's essential and it's fascinating stuff as well to me. I, initially I wanted all the exciting stuff but then I realised you know you've got to go with the process of what you're making you've got to accept it for what it is and it's the kind of it's the minutiae the small details that actually are quite interesting and fascinating to me now anyway 
Yeah, it's almost one, when anybody's talking about something they're totally passionate and knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about whether it's you know um, kind of Greek mythology or cement. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> going to be interesting, isn't it? As yeah, long, yeah. but it does it does rely on you having a curious frame of mind, which you obviously do. Mm. You obviously enjoy talking to people, hearing people speak about their lives. Mm. Um, we were talking outside um, with Tony Macaluso, of course, who's our director here at Chapel FM and he is an expert in Studs Terkel, mm. one of the world's experts mm. I would say on the work of Studs Terkel, the oral historian who worked for Chicago, in Chicago and public radio for many years. I mean he, you say he was a bit of an influence. Yeah basically on... the inspiration for the show. Um, I found his book working, What People Do All Day and What They Think About What They Do All Day, um, which is a book from the 70s. Um, and that was a bestseller then. And I was like, well, there's obviously a market for it. Um, and I do think it has, it's taken me about three years and obviously we've been through a pandemic during that time, but you know, it has got like, I've got the first patrons and I've had some donations and the, the listenership is kind of growing. So there is, there is a market for it. I think again, it is quite difficult because it's. Not only do people not want to talk, I think a lot of people don't feel safe to talk. So one of the things that I do that also kind of slows down how I how many I can produce, but I think it's essential to my process and to building confidence with the people that I interview is I give them the copy to proof. So a lot mm. of people won't do that with an interview. It's just like you do it. Um, but I realize this is people's careers um, and I'm no legal expert and the best people that are placed to listen to what they've said, you know, like I shouldn't have said that are the people who are saying it. So, you know, it's up to them to kind of take it out. I will, you know, obviously where my knowledge exists, if someone says something that I think is obviously litigious or whatever, I'm not going to put it in. Um, but yeah, I, I do have to kind of give it to people. And the, the difficulty with that is most people don't want to listen to themselves. So it's like you're happy to talk, but then it's like, oh, now I have to listen to myself talk for two hours. But you do find that as with when people do the interview, also listening back, because it changes context, doesn't it? When you hear it as just mm. audio, mm. Um, it's one thing to have that conversation, but then to listen to it back after a bit of time, it's a different experience. Um, and I've had people say things like this is like work therapy or, you know, they've, they've thought about new work in new ways that they'd never thought about it before. So, um, yeah, I mean, the response has been quite good. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you think people actually do listen back? <laughs> I think I think they do. Yeah. Because, um, you know, some people will give me notes. I've had some people give quite extensive notes. Oh, dear. Um which is fine but you kind of you know it's that whole again it's a work thing of like you would rather everything just came to you at once rather than drip feeding of someone sort of saying oh I didn't like that take that out and then they think of something else and then <laughs> so that was very much at the beginning that was that was the process so I was kind of you have to start putting limits in then and I wouldn't really give people deadlines for listening back uh, but I've had to basically I'm putting in a policy of like you've got three months and if mm. after three months you haven't listened back I'm going to make my own decisions yeah. on yeah. because you know it is it's a couple of hours and it's a couple mm. of hours work and obviously those people are donating their time as you did and I'm very grateful for that and their information and um, 
but yes, it is ultimately it's to go towards this thing. So mm. I have to be aware of that and, and I have to kind of push if I want to make it happen. So it's going to be a great social archive, you know. Um, That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, a lot of our programmes are archived by the British Library mm. and maybe they'd be interested in yours too. You should maybe get in contact with them. Yeah, I'd have to take out some of my ranting. <laughs> but it's a podcast, so I can I can. Yeah, well, that's the medium in a way. <laughs> We're going to hear a bit of music, Simon, that you've chosen. It's actually, I think, one of the pieces you use mm -hmm. to sort of signify the podcast, and it's by Chopin. Why did you use that as a... Uh, uh... Um, so I had a, a, a piece of music that a friend of mine had done for me initially. Uh, one of the things with podcasts is getting hold of you free music or getting someone to give you music and then you have to make sure you've got it for the duration uh so got a piece of music didn't really like it i mean it kind of worked but it didn't really work um and as i just as i went along it sort of evolved i wanted something classical ish i wanted something that was uh public domain and so i found this piece there was a couple of chopin pieces but I f thought this gave me the vibe that I wanted, a sort of Radio 4, but not, not Radio 4. <laughs> Without the ranting. Well, well with ranting, actually. Well, yeah, well, as, Radio as, 4 with ranting, I, as I said on a couple of the podcasts, mm. it's Radio 4 <coughs> from hell. <laughs> Let's hear some show, brother. So that was some Chopin. It's actually called The Bees, isn't mm. it? It's an etude. I'm a bit partial to Chopin, so good choice there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and we're talking to Simon Treen, who is um, the creator of the podcast Working Hours, interviewing people in Leeds or loiners elsewhere but uh, who are from Leeds and have lived in Leeds about work and about the process of work and how they feel about work i mean do you do you feel that it has i mean a leeds flavor do you think if if you did this elsewhere you would get some i mean it's, it's very hard to say i'm sure but uh yeah what's your thought what's your thought about that uh that's a really good question um it's definitely changed my thinking on leeds um i don't know <laughs> I don't know if it's changing anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, 
Hang on, what was the question again? The question was really about Leeds and, and whether, you know, do, do, do you feel that... Yeah, I suppose another way of looking at it or asking the question would be, I mean, you could have asked, I suppose, about love or mm. you could have asked more about relationships or you could have asked about food, I yeah. suppose, or cooking, but yeah. you asked about work. Um, do, you, do you feel that's... A, 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 you know, you're telling the story of a city in in, in this way. I mean, do you think it's a, a good way of doing that, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a part of it. So, um, you know, with anything, I mean, if I'd just done work and I'd just said I want to interview a thousand people on work, like I I, I have connections to other people. I, obviously, I, I, I haven't mentioned on here, but I've also lived abroad as well and worked abroad. So I know people around the world. I know can, I, I've some connections to other people that I could maybe access and leverage. So I could have gone down a just anybody route, but I think politics of place was really important to me as well. And that gave me a way to create a focus um, and just a way of creating waste, you know, like putting people outside, which is so even something of like interviewing people from Leeds, that's not an easy definition. It's quite slippy. It, it spreads. So it's like, okay, so if you've got an LS postcode, for my consideration, you leads, you know, like if you work in Leeds or you live in Leeds, then you're a lawyer for the purpose of the podcast. Or if you, you know, you're from Leeds and you're working elsewhere. So those kind of things, so that it wasn't too limiting, so that I still got a wide remit, but it's not anybody. So it, it just gives me, I suppose it distills things down and just makes things a bit more focused. And then as well with Leeds actually declaring a climate emergency, I think that's important, you know, like as part of this story, because I do want it, it's, a, it's a piece of climate activism in a lot of ways. Um, but it is also, you know, it, it is an oral history. It's a social document. It's it's kind of there's been a lot of startups on there as well, for example. So it's kind of like a tutorial in how to start a business. It's mm. um, it brings in so much like mm. uh but you, I think you need to kind of distill that around it. I used to say work was like, you know, my lens to look through everything, you know, like the, the, the universe in a grain of sand kind of thing. Um, so just that one word, work, if I'm working off that, it, it gives me so much. Mm. And the other thing that I would say as well is that whatever human beings are doing, there's somebody working on that, you know, like, uh, so I cover basically the whole experience just through this one word that we have mm. that we think of as something that you get up in the morning, you go and get on a bus and you go into an office or a factory or whatever and come home, which is not even how that works anymore because so many people work remotely, so many people work night shifts, work odd hours, work three jobs, work, you know, it's, mm. again, these things, these terms get, they seem simple, but then they get slippery. No, I think it's a really interesting word, actually, yeah. work, because some people don't actually go out to work they don't even do what we're kind of associated with the word work mm. at home mm. and yet what they're doing through relationships for instance thinking of carers mm. you know the amount of physical work that carers do but the, also the amount of emotional work mm. that we do in 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 
in relationships, in families, mm. you know, and so, and I mean, we've all, I'm sure, can I can think about times when we've had to do something, say something to a member of a family, or sort something out with mm. kids or whatever. That mm. is really emotional work. Mm. So, I mean, it's it is really, really, and what what we identify as work, or one person uh, will, and another person won't think is work mm. at all. Do have you? Sort of, um, obviously, you've thought a lot about universal basic income, all that, mm. you know, and uh, through this podcast, you've talked to so range of people, and we know that. But have you come to any conclusions, or do you have any, any, any sort of wise view about work? Uh, no, I don't know about that. So I, I would, I, I'm definitely picking things up. I mean, my 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 thinking at the moment through doing this is that I think we all need to work less. Um, and I think even the people who like to work a lot need to work less. Um, I just think, just from a climate perspective of just doing less, consuming less, um, and I think we need to focus more on time. I mean, it's, obviously, I I actually started, like, the first couple of recordings I did at the back end of 2019 as a sort of dummy runs. And then, obviously, going into 2020, we hit the pandemic, and I was reviewing, I was interviewing people in, in person, and um, it took a while for the penny to drop of like doing it remotely, um, but I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do this now, um, which was, was a crazy way to think about it <laughs> when you know considering now. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing I've learned is kind of, I, I think work less, but that's easier said than done. Even for myself, I've, you know, I'm, I'm doing this i've not got a boss i've not got anyone sort of breathing down my neck but i still also have me you know me being my boss saying do this and me resisting myself <laughs> doing it um so yeah it's, it's like weird that some of those work dynamics remain even though you take away that and i suppose the other thing as well is like um you mentioning ubi and just remuneration and because for a lot of people they would just think of work as is something you get paid for you know work is something that you do you do regularly it gets difficult therefore they pay you for it <laughs> because you have to keep doing it over and over again and it gets difficult but it isn't you know again it is that slippery term of it like it can go everywhere so yeah i'm not drawing any conclusions yet i i don't i'm definitely learning things um and hopefully i'm kind of making some people think as well and Ultimately, hopefully the actual episodes are entertaining because I think part of my thinking was just local interest. Like if you're just going to, there's so many shows out there where they're interviewing like the latest startup guy or some, you know, everything's trying to be flash. Mm. And I just was like, no, like you're always hearing from people who are trying to, you know, they're on the grind, they're, they're telling you how wonderful and successful they are and how amazing. And a, a lot of that, I think, is social media kind of led. Um, but, you know, there's all, there's ordinary stuff going on as well. There's everyday stuff. So a big influence, another big influence on the podcast is um, the late, great anthropologist David Graeber, who um, he he wrote a book called Bullshit Jobs a couple mm -hmm. of uh a couple of uh, years back now, and uh, that's a that's a really good book, and that looks at you know how how we even value work in society, and that oh. some uh, so say for example care work like you mentioned or nursing or 
he, he kind of makes the argument that because people are doing work that they enjoy there, they shouldn't really be remunerated that much. Whereas if you're doing something awful, then obviously you need to get paid loads of money to do it because otherwise why would it get done? But again, you know, you go back to the pandemic and then you kind of, that makes us reevaluate things. Um, not that you would necessarily tell that from what how how the press has come back and just kind of pretends it's not happening or didn't happen. Um but it is still happening, which is why I still want to talk about it. And that was a huge thing to happen in this decade because I wanted to do it over the 2020s because I knew this was a massively important decade in terms of carbon budgets and so on. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to map that that journey because I think there will be change, even if there's, you know, I don't, how much change or what change, none of that really matters to me. But I think I need to, I mean, obviously it does in a real terms, but for the podcast it's just about mapping that journey and kind of seeing i do do feel really gutted that i didn't get more people through the the pandemic because you would think like oh everyone's at home there's all these people and you could but it was hard to do then because it it was like who's open and who's doing business and I, i sent a few emails to a few people to try and drum up some guests and stuff but it just wasn't you know people weren't replying they had more important things to do uh so i do feel like i lost a lot there uh and a lot of that experience but because i'm still talking about it as well i think that has its own uh place because obviously it's not the in the moment experience but it's the how we're remembering it now experience which i think is worth capturing do you do you think that our I mean, this is, I'm asking these huge questions. I'm just looking at the news today, and obviously there are big, a big speech by Keir Starmer today about, you know, work and immigration and so on, and the whole I, you know, the fact that so many people have left work, don't want to come back to work. Mm. Do you feel that subsequent to the pandemic that a lot of people's attitudes to work has changed? Uh, yeah, I'd say. Um, yeah. I, and definitely a lot of people are kind of are, are talking about that. I mean, they've had that. It can't not. When you've had that life experience, that, that change. And you'd be surprised how many people will say on the COVID question that, and yeah, it is an awful thing to say, but it's how many people say they had a good COVID. Um, and and it was awful, you know, but even still there were, you know, there were bright spots. I mean, I've I've talked to a number of people Things like it being quieter on the roads, for example, mm. um, or, you know, the skies being quieter, having more time, having more relaxation, spending more time with people mm. and, and having sort of better, better conversations. Obviously, you know, people in different circumstances had different experiences. And again, with the work stuff, you know, it's not just everyone's left work because they had the opportunity mm. to not work people died and you know people have become carers and people who were who could retire earlier like i'll retire earlier you know like people have had options or they've moved out to places and they only want to work remotely and because they can work remotely maybe they can work internationally um so it's it's a catalyst for changes and it's definitely had long-term effects but i don't you know, it's one of those things where we're not, we don't know and we're not going to see what they are yet. Because even if you've had, because you've got that discussion between getting people back into the office 
and people working remotely and people hybrid but then some people don't want to work at home some people only want to work at home so you know do you just go the hybrid route but then from your business standpoint like is it better just not to have the office space and maybe we rent a room once a month and all get together so yeah there's lots of there's lots more possibilities i suppose um which is a good thing uh but obviously the the bad thing is businesses lost lives lost opportunities lost all of that so mm. yeah changing all the time and it's very very we're too, too close to it aren't we but I, I honestly would think that what you're doing is a really will be a fascinating resource in years to mm. come i mean i'm not suggesting necessarily it will be rival the studs turkle uh you know uh working uh the study of work but 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 it may do you know in, in terms of people looking back and listening in maybe 10 20 30 years time also there's automation coming along the line as well mm. um so huge changes afoot as you say with climate too um so before we wrap up I, I, any you've how many have you done uh so we've got um i've managed to record 50 in this year that's the first time i've done that this is also the first time I've managed to put out an episode every month of the year. Um, so because I want to get a 1,000 within 10 years, which was... So there was some logic in it, but it's also arbitrary. A um, 1,000 a decent sample size. So that that was why I hit that number. And it would work over 10 years of 100 a year. Obviously, in the first year, I did 10. Um, in the second year, I did 30. This year, I'm going to hit 50. Oh, no, I did 20 in the second year. So I'm going to get 50 this year, hopefully. And then next year will be the 100. But I also factored in that it would, you know, as it builds, as it grows, and as the reputation hopefully grows and it gets bigger, um, I could do more. You know, people are coming to me more. At the moment, I'm kind of chasing for guests. Um, and it's very sporadic and there's n there's no plan. It might seem like there's a plan. There's no plan. I'm just kind of hitting people where I can and like, oh, they sound quite interesting. If people are following me on social, I'm like, oh, come on the podcast. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who we do get. But it's fascinating to see how much is really going on in Leeds, like how varied it is and... Because I've always thought of Leeds as, okay, so it's the number two financial centre in the country outside of London. It's a city that's had a you know massive heritage of the Industrial Revolution, uh, loads of uh, immigrant workers. We had, you know, like Burton's and Marks and Spencer's and all these big name retailers and obviously like the past with wool and all of this kind of stuff. But then you just think of Leeds, like my thought of Leeds from the 90s and so on is just call centres and like a few banks and stuff. But there's so much going on, like really, really varied stuff. And new forms of work, new jobs cropping yeah. up the whole time as technology changes. Yeah. Uh, things that you just wouldn't have dreamt could yeah. exist like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I think social prescribers. Yeah. I mean, who... who <laughs> If you, th well, you know, what's the social? If you asked me like 10, 20 years ago, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened to the yellow pages? But it's, it's, uh, yeah, fascinating. No, it's, it's, it's a really good thing you're doing, Simon. And, uh, you know, best of luck with it. Thank you. It's really, as I say, it was really good I, to, to do the interview with you. And all those interviews, tell us where you can find them. 
Uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts, uh, apart from YouTube, I am considering YouTube, but I, I, again, it's with it's too big YouTube, I think, at the moment. So I'm, I'm having to think about that. But I'm hoping to add some video ones as well and put some of those on because I think it'd be quite nice just to have some ones on YouTube, but maybe not all of them. But yeah, wherever you get your podcasts from, or you can go um, just Google it and search for Working Hours Podcast Leads and, and it'll come up. Great. Thanks for talking to us today. You chose another piece of music. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us about that and why you did. Um, okay, so I had to choose two pieces of music. <laughs> you um, had to. I forced you. It was really, yeah. it was really quite difficult. And it, you said something to do with my work. So, um, and I, my my music knowledge is atrocious these days. I used to be quite on it, but uh, yeah. So I've gone for something techno-y and something uh, with a nice title because I thought, well, it's called Love by Luke Slater, and I thought, yeah. You know, I want to love my work, so, and I do love what I'm doing at the moment, so I thought it was appropriate. So uh, you're listening to Love the Words on East Leeds FM. We were talking to Simon Treen from Working Hours, the podcast. Yeah, do follow that up and, and have a listen. 
really interesting selection of interviews that Simon's doing and will be doing for uh, quite a number of years if he's to get to his thousand. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to be hearing from a poet who's had a lot to do with us over the last 10 years or so, uh, Joe Brandon. And uh, Joe has been uh, working on a, a musical project with a composer. Uh, she wasn't able to come in today but she has recorded a piece for us about this project. We're going to hear that now, and do join us for Love the Words again next week. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm Jo Brandon. I'm a West Yorkshire-based poet, and I've been working with Cumbria-based composer Ella Jarman Pinto um, on an album called Lemon Vermina. Uh, Ella and I met over a decade ago and we have a shared love of discovering forgotten women and we really, really, really wanted to write an album um, to celebrate incredible historical and legendary women. Um, so thanks to some fantastic funding bodies such as the PRS, Wild Plum Arts and the Red House at Oldborough, we managed to spend an incredible week together uh, writing songs for our album. Uh, but now we'd really like to record and produce this album. So we've launched a Kickstarter campaign um, in order to be able to do that. So the album itself is called Lemon Verbena. And if you go on www.kickstarter.com and search for Lemon Verbena, um, you'll find us there. And that'll give you a little bit more detail about the project. Um, but in essence, um, we just really wanted to celebrate these incredible women and to also um, explore a new side to our creativity and just be able to work together a bit more intensely um, as a writing team, as a songwriting team. So I have very much a poetry background. Uh, and in fact, it was always a childhood dream of mine to write an album and to write songs. But seeing as I'm, I'm not musical, I can't read music, I don't play an instrument and uh, my singing leaves much to be desired. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a far-fetched dream. And then um, I met Ella um, over a decade ago um, at the Leeds Leader and uh, we discovered we just had this shared passion um, for storytelling and, um, and we just clicked right away. And so actually that dream of writing songs and writing an album has really come true with Ella. Um, and so Lemon Verbena, this album, is uh, sort of a, a shared dream come true. And we've had incredible support. Uh, we've already raised 79% um, of our target on Kickstarter. Uh, I think we're just shy, so we need about £650 uh, now. Uh, our campaign ends on the 30th of November. So we're really hoping just to get ourselves over the finishing line, really, uh, so that we can continue with the album and make something that we're really, really passionate about. Um, now, some of the extracts that I'm going to read to you from are lyrics from, from the songs from the album. Um, there are eight songs on there. And uh, we took inspiration from a wide variety of, of both historical, legendary, uh, and, and from women in our own lives as well. Um, so, we, you know, we have medieval mystics in there. We have a sci-fi author. We have a pirate. We have a hoaxer. Uh, we have a um, sword fighting opera singer uh, who rescued her lover from a convent. Um, we, you know, and we've also got um, the woman in our own lives. Um, Ella's nanny is referenced. Um, and my experience of motherhood is also referenced um, in one of the songs as well. So we wanted to sort of span uh, across our interests 
um, and look at women that we hadn't heard of before, but also women that had already deeply influenced us. Um, and um, I feel like we, we've ha- hit a happy medium on the album with that. Of course, there are thousands more women that we'd love to explore. And I suspect Ella and I will keep on writing uh, and developing new songs. But um, Lemon Bravina definitely feels like an album that's a little world of its own. And um, all the songs are sort of independent, but it's also quite a cohesive um, collection of legendary and historical women whose stories we really wanted to share with you. So the first poem I'm going to share with you is um, called We Are Volcanoes. And it's inspired by Ursula K. Le Guin, a line from a speech she gave in 1986, where she said, we are volcanoes. And she was talking about women and our power for change. There may be quiet years, years when it seems they are mountains again. And mountains bring awe in their way. But you get used to seeing them in one frame. Expect them always to be the same fertile ground for foot-worn paths, loose-soiled slopes that need mapping. There may be quiet years when the hardened crust is cool to the touch and it seems you could dig and find only rock and ash and maybe the fossils of more dangerous things. There may be quiet years when the plates shift a little and the mountain shakes. Some smoke, some heat, but life carries on the same. No urgency. Do people not know what it means when a mountain moves? There may be quiet years, but this is not one of them. And the next extract is from um, Wise Woman, Vita, a song that Ella and I composed side by side at the piano after we'd been talking about a um, a cure that her nanny um, shared with her. And then it, it, we sort of realised that we both had, you know, these different cures from women in our family. And um, I'd written a collection called Cures where I'd explored a lot of um, herbal remedies and... Um, sort of family cures and things and so we had this um collection of shared moments and knowledge um from the women in our family and also women that we'd read about historically and we really love the idea of writing a song celebrating that ivy leaf to calm your chest honey and garlic to restore lemon balm and mint to rest steep chamomile for all cure extracted like a bad tooth you drew it from me from my mouth You scrub good soil from under my nails. You filled my nose with lye, buried my herbs, burned my great mother's book, poisoned my teaching, turned my daughter's ear from me, turned my son into a falcon. Easy to predict demise when you are maker. Easy to accept new truth when you can't discern from lies. This next song is actually the first song that Ella and I wrote when we were on our residency together, writing songs for the album. And it's inspired by Marjorie Kemp, who was uh, an incredible 14th century mystic who was very outspoken and went on all sorts of adventures. And it was also inspired by Julian of Norwich, uh, who was also a medieval mystic um, and a brilliant female writer. 
Marjorie and Julian. Sometimes lives are wasted. Sometimes they are dust. And you are sweeping or you're swept. Sometimes you have to wait. Patina gathering on the wall. The gnarl of trees, the growing tall, the thriving, spreading sprawl of seeds flown where they please, of things taking course with natural ease. Sometimes you waste, sometimes you wait, sometimes you gather up your skirts and run, clip apron strings, jump ship and stretch your world like a globe of dough. Knead it, make it go further, made more of, Give it time to rise. Don't let them take the keys. Don't be a guest in your own life. Lingering by the door, just sit or stand, be archwife and leave. If you are greedy for adventure, eat until your stomach's sore. Take what you can and more. And this next one uh, was inspired by Mary Toft, who played a bit of a hoax by pretending to have given birth to rabbits. See the fragile bright bones of a young rabbit by the riverside, parts and pieces newly disjoined, barely formed skeleton, shifted by lapping tongues of water and bad luck. Watch moss on rocks, watch foot catch nooks, watch dark for bright eye, you cannot outrun rain. The writing process for the album has been um, really interesting, actually, because Ella and I have worked together for over a decade, but a lot of the projects we've done have been long distance. Um, there's often been a lot of geographical distance between us. So it's it's been more of a case of, you know, I write lyrics or, or a poem uh, and pass it on to Ella and then she sets it to music. And, and we'll sort of have a bit of back and forth around that. But in essence it's sort of segmented. Whereas what was really magical about the residency we spent together, um, the week at Red House um, in Aubrey, was that we got to be in the same room for a concentrated amount of time. And, you know, we had the piano there and we could react very um, organically to one another. So, you know, we could sit side by side at the piano and I could be, you know, throwing out some lyrics she could be composing on the spot and we could be trying different things. And, you know, something was very difficult to set or, you know, we needed to alter the syllable count. Uh, we, we could alter that and do that together. And it was a lovely sort of back and forth. And it was just it was just such a special way to work. Um, and I felt quite privileged to have that time with Ella. And I've learned a lot from her. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about the sort of technical side. Not enough that I would be able to start composing something myself, but it's made me more considerate as a librettist. And it's made me think uh, a lot more carefully when I'm setting down words uh, for music, I think you become much more conscious, as when you're a poet, you become conscious of, you know, the space around the poem. I think that's that's true as well when you're leaving space for the music because there's a conversation there between the words and the music. And I felt that Ella and I got to have that conversation uh, very immediately when we were writing together on the album. And now we're going to play you a few snippets from the songs. These are rehearsal recordings because the Kickstarter campaign is to raise money to be able to record um, and produce the album. But they'll just give you a little taste of the way that the songs are developing.
Sometimes lives are wasted. Sometimes they are dust. And you are sweeping Sometimes you have to wait, patina gathering on the wall, the gnarled trees, the growing tall, the thriving, spreading sprawl of seeds flown where they please. Things taking course with natural ease. Sometimes you waste, sometimes you wait, sometimes you gather up your skirts and run. Apron strings, jump ship and stretch your world like a globe of dough. Need it, make it go further, made more of Give it time to rise. Don't let them take it. Don't be a guest in your own life, lingering by the door. Just sit or stand with the arch wife and leave a few a greedy for adventure. Eat till your stomach's sore. Take what you can and more. Strapped on my back, words from a woman wise. She answered her call. She promised me. Great boys, they thrust convention like long swords. Burdened by heft, still they stop. I would have burned all their bodies to run with you, Mr. Rett, and break the stand. We have no time to watch this one plan. They say love is a jewel I carry with heart wounds, but you are my shield, my counterguard. Green boys, they thrust convention like long swords, burdened by heft, still they stop. When we dance, I wish to be a creature free. Moving with you, I try to forget my vengeance ways. So thank you very much to Peter and Chapel FM for, for letting Ella and I share a little bit of our excitement about our project, about our album and the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's shared and um, supported and pledged so far. Um, it's really amazing, um, the support that we've had. And we just need that little extra push now um, to get us over the finishing line. For anyone who's um, interested in learning more about the project or in backing us, um, just a reminder of the um, website address. It is www.kickstarter.com and the album is called Lemon Verbena. Thank you for listening. Love the control. Love the command. Love the spacebar and the hard return. Love the words from East Leeds FM. Oh.